<laughs> what is going on, Camcast? It's Cam here. Man, that's uh, I always do that for those Dodger fans out there that really hate on that song. But man, when that song plays and you're able to be at Angel Stadium and it's going like you really do feel it. I mean, there's something about it. And if you know, if you bleed red like I do, I mean, we all bleed red, but like. If you bleed those Angels colors like I do and you really, really love this team, even though they've really given us nothing to love about the last, you know, 10, 15 years, I love that song. And, uh, you know, that's a great way to start this podcast. Um, Sorry it's getting a little bit late to you guys. I actually meant for this to come out the day before opening day, so last Wednesday. I had recorded the entire thing and then my computer froze and it lost everything that I recorded. So we're going to start it from scratch and uh, we're doing this on uh, on Tuesday now. It's... uh, what, April 6th, we've already have six games in the books. The Angels are currently 4-2, and two, and I really like what I see out of this Angels team, and I have a lot of thoughts moving forward, a lot of things that I think that you know they're going to do, things that I think that I want them to do, um, and an overall outlook for the Angels in the 2021 season because I, after watching these last six games, and you know I've really been paying attention to the stats, you know the attitude of the players, how people are looking, I'm really excited about this season. I think this is the season we win the division. And I think we make it to the playoffs. And then when you're in the playoffs in Major League Baseball, literally anything can happen. You know, it's it's kind of one of those things where it literally is a crapshoot. And the fact that team a team can win in the World Series if they're the best team in the league, it is really tough because typically that doesn't happen. Typically what will happen in Major League Baseball is, and I think I've talked about this on previous podcasts before, the team that comes into the playoffs, you know, a month left in the season and they're the hottest team in baseball – Typically, they'll make a nice run in the playoffs, and sometimes they even win. You know, that's why a lot of times a wild card team will win, like the Angels won it in 2002 as a wild card team. I know the Giants won it a few times as a wild card team. I think the Royals got there when they beat the Angels in a three game series back in 2015 as a wild card team. So it's just something that always happens. But today's podcast is going to be about the Angels, guys. I haven't really had an Angel centered podcast in a while. And mainly for the reason for that is just because we haven't done anything. I mean, last season was only, what, 50 games. And, you know, there wasn't a lot to talk about. Of course, Mike Trout did his thing. He, you know, just looks great. We are, Our lineup is one of the best in baseball in terms of offensively and defensively. Like, we're really always competitive there. But the problem that we have always had, especially the last, you know, five, six years, starting pitching and, and bullpen pitching. And, you know, I think that we're a lot more suited to be able to to pitch longer from the starting pitching position to be able to recover and and uh, and close games out from the from a bullpen perspective. So I'm really excited about that. Um, I'm gonna get more into the outlook of the Angels uh, in a little bit, but I have to talk about what happened last night because as an Angels fan, I was just overjoyed and completely thrilled with what I saw at Angel Stadium. Oh, by the way, I was able to go to uh, Angels game on last Friday, the second game of the season. First time I've been to an Angels game since July of 2019. I, uh, we we got tickets and we went, and uh, man, it felt good to be back in the stadium. Uh, unfortunately, they lost to the White Sox that night, 12 to eight, but they put up a great fight. Pujols had a home run. Uh, you know, we saw Mike Trout play good. Otani played all right. You know, it's just it was fun. It was just fun to be out there and see you know the team back and basically you know all the same players, my favorite players, and Trout and Otani, and you know watch Rendon play a little bit. And I don't know, we we. There's a there's some type of energy with this team. I think that that weird Joe Madden, you know, those weird things that he does, those weird vibes. I think they're starting to rub off on this team, and I think they're getting a little bit of swagger to them. Um, I really look forward to having more games. It came out today that uh, state of California looks like they're going to get rid of all their guidelines starting June 15th, 
which means a full summer of baseball. I'm, I'm going to try to go to as many games as I can with all my friends. So I'm like really excited about all that. So I, yeah, I was at the game on Friday. Um, I encourage you guys, if you've gotten the vaccines, go watch a game. I mean, it really does. I mean, I was ecstatic the entire time. I felt like a kid in a candy store. Like I was jumping up. I was hooting and hollering like a little child and like a, like a crazed fan, you know, and it was just, we were losing seven to one and I was still excited, you know? Um, but yeah, that was fun. So I want to talk about what happened yesterday at Angel Stadium when the Astros came to town against the Angels. For those of you that don't know, I was in attendance for Game 7 of the 2017 World Series in Dodger Stadium when the Astros cheated during that whole season and they wound up winning the World Series. The Astros stole $800 from me. So I have my own personal vendetta with the Astros. They literally took money out of my pocket because they cheated their way to get there and they wound up winning the World Series, even though I really wanted the Dodgers to. I mean, Dodgers from L.A., I'm in Ranch Cucamonga, which I don't know if I've said that before, but now you guys know I'm in Ranch Cucamonga. You know, it's like uh, 35 miles outside of LA, maybe 40 miles. And uh, no, I hate the Astros. I hate Alex Bregman. I hate Jose Jose Altuve. I hate George Springer, and he's on the Blue Jays now. I hate Carlos Correa probably the most. Um, That guy's definitely the most entitled douchebag of all of them. I mean, he won the World Series with his teammates and then tried to steal the thunder by proposing to his girlfriend at the time. I hope they got divorced. Uh, <laughs> I really do. Like I don't like that guy. And Alex Bregman's got maybe the most punchable face of all time. Um, it's it's up there. It's really up there. It's like him and possibly uh, JJ Redick has a really punchable face too. They both kind of they look kind of similar. I mean, but besides talking about punchable faces, I want to talk about what the Angels fans were able to do last night. So. For those of you that don't know, obviously the, the Astros cheated in 2017. They had that whole video scandal where they were getting the pitches early. They were banging on trash cans, which alerted the uh, the batters in the batter's box. If there was a fastball coming, and obviously if you're a world-class hitter and you know what pitch is coming, especially if it's a fastball, you will be able to swing a little bit quicker and you'll be able to tee off on more pitches, which is exactly what happened to Clayton Kershaw in Game 5 of the 2017 World Series when they played against the Astros in Houston. So these guys are cheaters, right? I don't like them. And then Rob Manfred, the crappy commissioner that is in charge of Major League Baseball, didn't find any of the players, didn't take away the trophy, didn't take away the World Series rings, didn't take away their bonuses. So basically he's saying, yeah, it's okay to cheat. All he did was he fired the manager, uh, A.J. Hinch. He fired Alex Cora, who was said to be the ringleader, which I still don't really buy. Um, you know, he was a bench coach and, you know, AJ Hinch is the manager. Obviously you would think that AJ Hinch would be one of the ringleaders, if not the, and the GM, they fired him. I I forget his name at this moment, but I don't think he'll ever, you know, get another job. But now AJ Hinch manages the Tigers. Alex Cora is back with the Red Sox and they're back in and none of these players got fined. And last season there were no fans in the stands. So you can best believe people like me and people who love baseball and hate that people, you know, disgrace the name of baseball cheated Won a World Series, and in Jose Altuve's case, he stole an MVP from Aaron Judge in 2017. Aaron Judge's best season, and Altuve had like a 330 average. He hasn't been able to touch that since. And it's because he cheated. He knew what pitches were coming. So I was just really proud as an Angels fan, and everyone always says, ah, oh, you guys don't, you guys are kind of a weak fan base, you know, whatnot. We literally, we had, it was nice and rowdy there, you know. We booed as loud as we could possibly boo with 20 to 25 percent of a, of a fan uh, fans in the in the stadium. You, we made sure that Jose Altuve and all those cheaters heard us, and they knew that you know they know deep down like they're you know that they're it hurts them a little bit, especially somebody like Altuve that claims to be a really good person, and you know those things kind of bother him. I don't think it bothers Correa because he's a piece of shit anyways, and Bregman. I don't think I've ever even heard him talk to be honest. Um, 
But you know it bothered him. And then on top of that, guys, in the outfield, in right field, they had an inflatable trash can they threw out onto the field mid-game. So that was awesome. And then we had a fan bat out there. There was video of it. He's out there banging a trash can, right? And then he throws a trash can onto the field during Jose Altuve's at bat. Fucking love it. I love that shit. I fucking hope that happens at every single stadium this season. Because as far as I'm concerned, the Houston Astros as an organization and all three of those main players that I talked about, Bregman, Correa, Altuve, you know, and uh, Reddick when he's there, uh, and then Springer, wherever he's at. Those are the main culprits and the main people that really benefited from that cheating scandal, and they were not reprimanded at all by Major League Baseball. So guess what? The fans of Major League Baseball are going to right the wrongs of Commissioner Rob Manfred and the whole of Major League Baseball. We're going to make sure that these guys are bullied probably for the rest of their careers because you know we won't forget. It's a big thing. They literally ruin people's careers. People probably had to retire early because their ERAs and everything were overblown. I know for a fact this happened to Houston Street on the Angels two years prior. I said it a long time ago. It was one of the last games of the season. Houston Street was one of our one of the best closers in the game. All of a sudden, it was like I think it was second well, the second last game of the season. All of a sudden, the Astros just teed off, and they knew exactly what pitch was coming. And I remember watching that game. And I was like, man, Houston Street's probably done after this. He never pitched again. I'm just wondering how many players, how many people lost money or lost their jobs because these guys were cheating. Um. And I hope that every single fan in every single opposing ballpark does this to them. They deserve all of it. I hope nothing. Obviously, nothing physical. I don't want anybody to get like hurt, but I want them to be well aware that what they did was wrong and to never let it be forgotten. I know us fans won't forget it, you know. And people are saying, "Ah, oh, you know, get over." It. Okay, yeah, bullshit. They fucking cheated the game, right? They completely cheated the game, and nothing happened. What that tells me is what, what's that teaching our youth? It's teaching a lot of the kids and teenagers today in high school and, you know, uh, high school and, and elementary sports that it's okay to cheat. You know, if you want to win it that badly, you can cheat, says Rob Manfred. Uh, you know, not verbatim, obviously, but through his actions. You can cheat. That's fine. Um, nothing's going to happen to you if you cheat and you get to keep the championship. It's awesome. Like, you get to guarantee that you win the championship and... You know, you don't have to put up a full effort when you, in order to get it. You can kind of cheat. You can skip the system. And I'm completely against that, guys. Like, you know, it's it's one thing like when you're hanging out with people and you're cheating in board games, which I used to do all the time as a kid. Sorry, Dylan. Sorry, Morgan. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I just did. But it's those are little things, right? Sports is completely different. There's, there's a certain level of integrity in sports that I've always had. And I know a lot of people around me have always had. Like, what are we teaching people here? What if, if you're a Major League Baseball team, why wouldn't you do the same goddamn thing? Because you know you can win it and nothing's going to happen to you. You get to keep the title, you know? And I don't I don't like it. But that's that's my rant on the Astros. I've had a couple of rants on the Astros on the channel. And like I said, like I've, I haven't said it, but I've talked about it. I do at some point want to do a Houston podcast where I talk about the decline of Houston as a city in terms of its sports prowess. Because you got the Houston uh, Texans. They lost, uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, J.J. Watt. They were a top three team in the AFC two seasons ago, and now Deshaun Watson has sexual allegations against him, and he wants out. That's a dumpster fire. You have the Houston Astros, the cheating, and everything that went on with that, and poor Dusty Baker, the manager, getting involved in all of that. I feel bad for him because he seems like a really good guy, but the Astros are trash. And you have the Houston Rockets, a dumpster fire, that gave James Harden everything he could have possibly have ever wanted, didn't play hard, basically cheated, you know, 
basically sagged off, played horrible in the beginning of the season so that way he would be traded. And now people are talking about him being the MVP of the season, which is completely bullshit. How can you... I'm sorry, I'm ranting because I hate James Harden and I hate what's happened with the NBA this season. That's why I don't like to talk about the NBA that much. The referees and everything have kind of ruined the game. But my James Harden rant is, how can you sag off the first three weeks of the season, basically let your team tank in order to get traded, and then all of a sudden you're playing with the Nets and you're playing probably best basketball I've seen him play in forever. In all honesty, he looks great out there. He's playing fantastic. Where was that with the Rockets? You were given free reign of the franchise. You got to pick whichever player you wanted to play with and nothing. So that Houston podcast, I think, at some point will happen. I'm doing research here and there, and I'm trying to get some facts together. Because something must have happened from an ownership standpoint or from from a, maybe a, a temperature standpoint. Maybe it got too hot down there, too muggy. Like, you know, Houston's kind of a gross city, so I, I can anticipate that would happen. But that's my sidebar. I wanted to, you know, talk about the Angels fans, talk about, you know, all that. But for the main point of the podcast, the main point, you guys, Angels outlook for 2021. And, man, I am excited I am very, very thrilled for this season. Uh, let me go ahead and pull up my stats real quick, some of my, my depth chart. So this is the last season of Albert Pujols, you guys. It's the last season that we'll ever have to see this oaf have to lug his body around the uh, the diamond. I remember in 2011, it was my first year of college. We signed Albert Pujols to that 10-year, $250 million contract, and I was like, oh, this is great. And, you know, At the time, I think Pujols was only 31 years old, 32. So I, you know, it's, he wasn't that old. You know, at, at that point, he wasn't that old. But he was definitely not on the on the high side of his career, but we didn't know that until after his first or second season with the Angels. And then we'd find out the last couple years that our Pujols may actually be four to five years older than what he actually is. Okay, There's a good chance, and a lot of people from the Caribbean have done this in order to get, to get uh, drafted or picked up early on and quick because they're these big brooding guys. And if, they're, if they put down that they're 20 years old as opposed to 24 or 25, teams will be more likely to sign them, bring them up quicker, and they can have longer careers and better, bigger paydays, which is exactly what Albert Pujols did. They say uh, uh, Yasiel Puig did something similar, and I'm pretty sure a bunch of other guys did the same thing. So I don't like Albert Pujols. He's been a waste for us for the last five, six years. He A lot of top prospects haven't been able to come up because he's basically occupied first base for so long, and I'm not okay with that. You know, Because of him, we had to wait three years to get Jared Walsh up here. And Jared Walsh is absolutely killing it, just like he was at the end of last season. That kid's, he's unreal. For, he's six foot. He was like a, a round 23 draft pick. No expectations. You know, he plays first base. He plays a little right field. Um, solid hitter. Great bat speed. You know, clean lefty. He had that walk-off on, uh, I believe it was uh, Sunday night against the White Sox. Just pimp the shit out of it, right? He hits it. He walks off. Doesn't even look at it. Just hits it over the fence. He's great. Right, he's he's more than likely not going to be in the lineup almost every other day, uh, or every day, um, especially if Pools continues to bat 119, which he's currently batting currently batting right now. Um, but the Angels lineup as a whole is just solid. Like I really love it. You know, you got leading off is Fletcher. I got got. Uh, I'm a big fan of David Fletcher. He's one. He's like five foot seven, five eight, amazing defender, like above average defender. He's an above average hitter. One of the hardest guys to strike out in the national in the in the in the major league baseball. He has like I think the second lowest strikeout rate of, of all of major league players that qualify, which is quite impressive. Like in all honesty, it really is. You obviously you have uh, Shohei Otani's batting second, and on Sunday he was hitting and he was pitching, and he was the first pitcher to bat in the two hole since I think like 1906. He threw a 101 mile per hour fastball in the first inning. Then he comes up in his first at bat, first pitch, cranks out 115 exit velocity 
on his home run, just tomahawked that shit to right center field. It was beautiful. The sound on the bat on that kid, that kid's 6'4", just, he's honestly built. Like, he's he's pretty big. Like, that one-two punch of, of him and Trout is really, really, if I were a pitcher, I'd be scared because you got lefty, righty, both power bats, both incredibly fast, both savvy hitters, both really smart with the strike zone. So it's, and, and then following that fourth hole is, is Rendon. Obviously, oh, and talk about Trout. Trout's Trout. Okay, Trout's going to have probably 45 home runs, bat 290 to 310, have 100, you know, 10, 15 RBIs, maybe he stole 20 bases. Trout is Trout. He'll have an OPS of 1. what, 1.1 maybe at best. He'll have an on-base percentage of like 450. He's just Mike Trout, right? His slugging will probably be 690, somewhere like that. He's, he's Mike Trout. He's amazing. Rendon hasn't really gotten started this season yet in the first six games. But Rendon's an amazing hitter. There's an argument to be had. He's the best third baseman in all of baseball. It's him, Arenado, Chapman. Uh, I'd put Turner up there because Turner's an amazing hitter. Um, I can't really think of anyone else at the moment. But yeah, and Rendon, he's, he'll he'll kill it. He'll probably have 25 to 30 home runs, about about 280 to 295, you know, and just be a solid guy right behind Mike Trout. So pitchers have to throw Mike Trout strikes. Which is dangerous because he's the best fastball hitter in all of baseball. I said it. He is. He just kills the fastball. Um, he got the, he has to get his strikeout numbers down a little bit, but his but his uh, Mike Trout has to get his strikeout numbers down a little bit. But the way he hits the ball is just it's amazing, right? So we keep going down the list. Upton had an amazing spring. He was batting like 400, and he looks really good to start the season too. Just the swing looks good. He looks like he's actually playing with a little bit of effort. My thing with him the last couple years is he's always been that guy that um, doesn't quite hustle to the fly ball, which I don't like because you know I I I'm not a baseball player by any means. I play adult slow pitch softball. You know, just as a disclaimer, I never played in high school. I played baseball when I was young, but I was a basketball player growing up. But the effort was always there. So I don't like when people kind of take plays off or don't you know charge a ball as hard as you possibly can to try and get it, especially when you're getting paid millions of dollars. So that was always my problem with Upton. But he's probably still one of the best hitters in baseball, in all honesty. He just needs to figure out his swing because he was shit last year in a shortened season, granted. But he he's kind of an X-factor at this point because you don't anything you get from him is completely extra. Because you kind of expect maybe at low end, 250 average, maybe 20 to 25 home runs and like 80 RBIs. And that's that's a solid season. That's what you can expect from him now. He gives us anything other than that. He gives us like a 270, 280 average. That's awesome. You know, that's great. Lower strikeout numbers, those are great. To round out the infield, we have uh, Jose Iglesias. Not going to wow you hitting-wise, but man, the stuff that he's been putting on the first six games of the season and spring training, he is absolutely unreal with the glove. We had Angels and Simmons for the past five seasons, and I thought he was you know, one of the best defenders in baseball. I don't think Jose Iglesias was showed enough on SportsCenter. Jose Iglesias does some crazy shit. He you know, just literally leaves his body out there at every single play, and he's diving after every ball. And it's great to watch, and he's got a heck of an arm. I mean that kid can. Well, he's not. He's older than me, but I was. He is. He's. He's a great shortstop, like defensively. And I don't know where he's. He's been in Baltimore before that. I think he was Tigers. I think he was Red Sox for a season, maybe. But he is amazing. He really is. And I. I and if he gives us anywhere between two fifty and two seventy and a batting average, then that's extra because defensively he's going to save a lot of runs, right? Catcher Max Stasi. Stasi. We got him, in, I think, two seasons ago in 2019 in a trade with the, the Astros, you know, uh, oddly enough. He wasn't great. And then last year, he had actually really good. It was like 280, 290. And this season, he's been killing it already. And he killed it in spring training, too. He is actually, 
a great defensive catcher. He's an above average offensive catcher, which is kind of surprising. And I was looking at his stats earlier today. I didn't expect that from him, but he does. He gets a lot of hits. He can hit home runs. He's got power. He's not slow for a catcher, which is kind of nice. Kind of, like Chris Ionetta was pretty quick. We had him like five, six seasons ago as catcher, and he was really good. Max Stasi's kind of like that, but he has more pop on the bat than Ionetta did. And Ionetta used to play in Colorado, so he had a lot of home runs. Now we go to right field. We have Dexter Fowler. I'm not a huge fan of this. We signed him, and I know we signed him as a placeholder until Joe Adele is ready because Joe Adele, that's his spot. Right field is going to be a spot moving forward, and we know that. We know it's Joe Adele's spot. Um, I just Dexter Fowler is 35. If this was five years ago. I'd be like, oh, cool, we got Dexter Fowler. That's a solid like hitting guy. But the last three seasons, he's batted about 230, you know, 220, 230. He doesn't wow you with power numbers. He's not as fast as he used to be. He's an, he's a pretty he's above average defender, but he's number nine in the lineup right now. And I would much rather have Joe Adele be there every single day to be able to learn and you know learn major league pitching, learn how to play the game, especially because you know during those 50 games last season, he wasn't that great and he had made a lot of mistakes. But uh, we're just gonna have to wait for him to come up. It'll probably be because. You know, Fowler's not hitting that great right now. I think he's only hitting like 140. I don't think it's going to improve that much. He'll maybe get up to like a 210, something like that. They're going to see how Adele looks in the first couple months in the Angels alternative site, which is in Long Beach, maybe get him some AAA run. And then I think he'll be back with the team late May, early June, which is good. And that'll just add another X factor to the team because anything extra we get from Joe Adele, as long as he's hitting over 230, it's just, it's just extra. That's what it is. It's something we, we didn't account for, and it's something that we definitely could use as already really just dangerous lineup. You know, it's it's a dangerous lineup. So that's that's the hitting. And now the pitching, okay? Dylan Bundy was a solid addition last year. It was a surprising addition, and he pitched great. He really did. He was one of the probably the most surprising pitchers in, in baseball last season. He had a solid ERA. You know, he threw a lot of, you know, he was kind of our go-to guy, and he, he entered the season as our best, you know, pitcher on the staff. And he's been good. He pitched today again, and he pitched well. Honestly, he he commands the strike zone really good. He he's very composed, um, and he he's good. You know, I, I like that one. So the one I don't like is Andrew Heaney. Okay, Andrew Heaney pitched on Friday, the game that I went to, and he's just he has all the tools. He's a lefty. He can command the strike zone. His fastball is about 91, 92. So he's more of a he needs to really hit his spots, and he doesn't seem to hit his spots. For whatever reason, he's I think he's 30 now. He hasn't quite put it together. And he's one of those guys that really should have put it together. He has all the tools. He's lanky, he's long arms, he has good pitching style, you know, his windup is great. He just he he's a guy that I want to be good, but I don't think he's ever gonna be good. He's always gonna be a four and a half to a five ERA guy, you know, with 150 to 200 to 160 strikeouts. And he's never gonna wow me. And I'm convinced he's just not that guy anymore. Um so I my you know, I'm just, I'm down on him. You know, I, I have no expectations for him. I hope that he finds his way out of the rotation. We're able to fill his spot. I don't, I just, I'm, I'm over it. See, Shohei's the wild card. So like I said before, uh, on Sunday, Shohei, he pitched pretty good. He had five walks, but he had six strikeouts. He had, his velocity was back. Okay. Last season, he, his, his four seam fastball was only topping out at like 94 miles per hour, which was low. He had 101, he had 100, he had 99, so his fastball is back, which means his command is back, and he's really a wild card. If he's able to start 20 games and just give us good numbers throughout those games, because we're actually dealing with a six-man rotation now, which is kind of unorthodox, but we're doing it. Um, anything you get from him is just extra, so I, I'm excited to see what that is. Um, another wild card, somebody that I'm excited about that actually won the gold glove last season, 
is Griffin Canning. You know, Griffin Canning is only 24, 25 years old. He was a three-year man out of UCLA. He's from Orange County, which is something the Angels always do. We always draft Orange County guys or sign Orange County guys or get them later in their careers. Um, but Griffin Canning could be a solid pitcher in this league. He really could. And I think he, he's he got the stuff. He I think his fastball only tops out at like 94, 95, uh, 95 miles per hour. But he's got a great curveball. And he has a great mound presence. Like he's really good in the strike zone. He's able to pick his spots. You know, he, what I like is, and this is something that Shohei does too, shows that emotion, that raw emotion. A lot of times pitchers don't do that, but I, that's how, if I were ever a pitcher, I would be like that. I would show that emotion all the time. I would get hyped. And I think that does feed into your, to the game. Um, then we signed two guys this season or traded for them. We signed, uh, traded for Alex Cobb out of the Orioles. And he was great with the Rays three seasons ago, right? Really solid. And I think that players just go to the Orioles to die. Metaphorically speaking, of course, because it seems like all the Angels players are the ones that actually died. That's a different story. Um, that was a little dark humor there. So uh, sorry for that. But uh, uh, no, Alex Cobb, he has the potential to be a really solid, surprising piece for us. So there's a chance he does exactly what Dylan Bunny does. And he was just bad with a bad team being the Orioles. And he comes to a team with a much better offense and he pitches better. So that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. And then Jose Quintana, right? He was on the White Sox. He's in the Cubs. He's... Pretty solid pitcher. He was great in spring training. He pitched not great yesterday. Um, he gave up three runs early on, and uh, but his stuff looked good. He got some strikeouts. He didn't walk very many guys. So I think there's potential there for the six-man starting rotation to be pretty decent. You know, I don't think we're going to be bottom of the barrel like we have been the last couple of years. I think we got some decent arms, and we have a kid that I'm really high on that we drafted in 2020 out of Louisville, Reed Detmers. Okay, guys, like he's like six foot four. He's a lefty. And he has he throws a curveball, but he throws like three different curveballs. Fastball tops out at 93 miles per hour. But the thing about him is he is really good in the strike zone, right? He hits his spots always. Um, they said in the 2020 draft, which wasn't, you know, I think only five rounds happened because of COVID. They said he was the most MLB-ready pitcher at that moment. He didn't have the highest ceiling, but he was the most ready at that moment during the draft. And the Angels finally drafted a pitcher. Because for the past like three seasons, we drafted a bunch of outfielders. Like we got Jordan Adams, we got Brandon Marsh, you know, Joe Adele, all these guys that we kept drafting early on the first couple of rounds that are outfielders. Well, we have Mike Trout. Why wouldn't we draft more pitching, right? I mean, I I don't understand. There's no foresight here, right? There's no foresight with the Angels a lot of the time. And that's been the issue all these years. We've always had a solid offense. We're always, you know, top 10 offensive team the past 10 years. The problem has never been our offense or our defense for that matter. The problem has been pitching, right? Pitching, starting pitching, bullpen pitching. The bullpen is, I don't know what that's going to be. We signed veterans Tony Watson and Steve Ciszek. Our closer is Raziel Iglesias, who's pitched like shit so far this season in six games. He blew a save today. He blew a save the other day. Um, and he gave up three, uh, two or three runs in that White Sox game where we were already losing. But that was the second game of the season. And he's supposed to be our closer. I think it'll wind up being either Mike Mayers or Aaron Sleggers or be our closer. Sleggers is an interesting one. He's 6'10". So he's got that big frame. He's got, you know, he's got long arms. He's got potential to be a closer. Um, and one of our guys that was supposed to be our closer, Ty Butchery, he retired two year, two days ago. He's 28. He's only 20 years, 20 days older than I am. And he retired. Your, your life must be, you must really not like to play baseball. If you're playing pro, you're getting paid to be a professional athlete and you want to quit, right? You're, you must have a lot of other things going on. So no disrespect to Ty Butchery, but 
man, you really that's that's not going to happen again. You you have a lotto ticket. You played in Major League Baseball. You're getting paid to play a child's game, and you you want to leave. I mean, that's just that's how I look at it. I don't know what his things are at home or what's going on or if he's not happy. And I don't want to make fun of anybody's um, you know mental mental state or mental illnesses or anything like that. But as an outsider looking in, it's tough to digest, especially when there was a potential that he was going to be our closer moving forward. Because he does have some good stuff. He had a good fastball, good cutter, you know, decent slider, and it's just one of those things. Um, and then, you know, as far as I talked about Joe Adele a little bit, he'll be here. Brandon Marsh is an interesting one. Brandon Marsh is another outfield prospect, and I don't know what they're going to do with him because he's almost ready to come up, Okay. He's a solid hitting outfielder, crazy speed. He was a two-sport athlete in high school. No, I believe it or not, you guys, a lot of these things I'm just I'm saying off the top of my head. I just know these stats. I look at this shit all the time. And that's why I love I was telling uh I was telling and the reason why I love baseball so much is because it's all numbers, right? And I'm a big nerd, so I love numbers and I love tracking numbers. I love looking at at trends and all that. And that's why baseball to me is just a beautiful game. Because it is projectable, and except for the things you can project, which are like walk-off home runs and you know errors and stuff like that, you can't project those. And that's that's the thing that's beautiful about baseball. You limit your errors and your mistakes. You will win games based off of averages. That's why you know Moneyball works so well because if you take out stealing and you're not getting taken off of base, you're gonna have more likelihood that you're gonna score runs, which in turn runs means wins, which is exactly what. They say in, in the movie Moneyball, it's what uh, Brad, uh, Brad Pitt says as Billy Bean. Runs equal more runs equals more wins, which means more wins equals you know potential spot at a playoff. You know, so I, I think that with Joe Madden at the helm, he'll help out with a lot of those weird idiosyncrasies and tweaking the lineup here and there to make sure that maybe something that a more conventional manager wouldn't see, Madden's gonna do and he's gonna see it and he's gonna like even put an Otani second. You know, as a pitcher, he's not really a pitcher, he's a two-way player. But putting him second and, you know, then DHing him the very or pinch hitting him the very next day after he started, those are things that only someone like Joe Madden is going to do. And that's why I'm glad he's our manager. You know, we need some unconventional. We need some weird. We need some strange. We need that Joe Cool attitude that that that'll take us out of the slums of the American League and baseball in general. And hopefully propel the greatest baseball player I've ever seen, Mike Trout, into the playoffs so we can see what the fuck he can do. Okay. We need to get him in the playoffs because I'm tired of all these naysayers saying, ah, I know, but Mike Trout might be really good, but he's never been in the playoffs. The only sport where that's true, okay, where the best player needs to win in the playoffs is basketball. Basketball is five on five. The best player on the court affects the game more than any other best player in any sport ever. Okay, maybe team sport, non-individual sports, team sports. The exception to that is a really, really good quarterback can will a team to victory in football, right? But the best starting pitcher in baseball can't win you more than he can win you one game in five games. That's as good as it gets. You know, Trout, he has a, a war of average of like 10, 9 to 10, which means Trout gives you 9 to 10 more wins than, the, than somebody that's average at his position. But that doesn't always translate to, you know, enough wins to make it to the playoffs. But I think this year's different. After watching the last few games and seeing how these Angels are really, they're fighting, they're scrapping, they're playing hard, they're diving after every single ball, they look like they're having fun. And I don't think that the Angels have had fun in a while. You know, we've had a lot of really nasty things happen to the Angels the last 10 years. You know, Aiden Hart was killed in a car crash. Uh, Luis Falbuena was killed. Tommy Hansen, former pitcher, was killed. Obviously, Tyler Skaggs, uh, he died. 
you know, it's just it's just more than than one team should ever have to deal with ever. And I feel like we've been constantly dealing with these things over and over again, while at the same time being given, you know, the greatest player I've ever seen in my 28 years. And I know a lot of people older than me said that the greatest player they've ever seen. And we just haven't been able to put a team that's good enough to be on the field around him. You know, not enough pitching, you know, not enough bullpen, you know, not a good enough manager, more a new, uh, you know, not a new manager, but not a good, you know, more, I can't get the words out, but somebody who thinks a little bit differently. We haven't been able to put that around him. And at this point, I'm selfish, you know, because the Lakers just won a title. The Bucks just won a title. My two teams, the one team that hasn't, and the team that I've grown to love more and more as I've gotten older, because I have grown to, to love baseball more and more as I've gotten older than I probably thought that I would have. It's become, you know, Angels are probably my number two team. It goes Lakers, Angels, and then Bucks. But like I said before, the way that the NBA is going right now and the way that um, the referees are controlling the games and they're calling a bunch of BS and all these players are flopping, the NBA is pretty unwatchable. I mean, it really is. And all these teams sandbagging it so they can get traded to the Nets. Like, I don't understand what's going on with the NBA. Um, Adam Silver doesn't seem to have a grip on it. And how can the Lakers in 2013 or 14 not create Chris Paul, but the Nets can get James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, LaMarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, and DeAndre Jordan? How does that make any sense? So I just, you know, I I, I don't understand. That's, what, that's my problem with the NBA. But I really think the Angels are going to make some noise this year. I'm going to call it right here. You heard it first here on CamCast. CamCast approved. CamCast approved, you guys. CamCast approved. 86 to 90 games. That's what we're winning. 86 to 90 games. Somewhere in that pocket. And we will win the division. I really believe that. I don't think the Astros are going to be as good. I think 90. I think 88 to 90 wins wins the division. I really do. I think it's going to be kind of competitive. Um, so, you know what? I'll say 88 to 90 wins. That's where we're going to be at. And I think that's a pretty good guess. Um, I really think that we're going to have a great team. There's a potential that Otani could be the MVP if he keeps this up. Um, you know, obviously Trout will be in the race for MVP. Uh, we'll have nobody for Cy Young, which is fine. We need to get one starting pitcher on the buyout market. And we need probably one solid closer. We need a closer, like a dynamic closer, somebody that can come in lefty, like a Josh Hader type. We can trade for a Josh Hader type of player, for cheap, you know, maybe he says something else that's racist and it's hard to get rid of him. We pick him up. We pick up the racist guy and, uh, <laughs> and we make him our closer. I'd be cool with that. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited for the season, you guys. Uh, you know, we're six games in. We're four and two. We look good. We look electric. You know, it looks like they're having a lot of fun and I'm having fun talking about it. And I'm glad that I was finally able to uh, do a full episode on the Angels because I've made two on two or three on the Dodgers. None on the Angels, so now we got to start evening the score. You know, we got to start talking about my Angels a little bit more. Um, so as always, you guys, I want you to follow CamCast on Instagram. That's cam.cast, okay? Uh, I need to get those Instagram numbers up. I mean, uh, I need you guys to share the page. Also, if you're on YouTube, like, share, subscribe, hit the bell notification anytime I upload something new. Uh, I need to get the YouTube subscriptions up. Share it. If I see that you guys are sharing stuff on Instagram or anywhere else, I will send you stickers. DM me. I'll give me your address or your PO box or whatever. I'll send you stickers. I'll give it for free. I don't care. I want to get the numbers up because I want to get the good word out there. Um, I just need some assistance doing it. You know, I don't know a ton of people, and I know that I want to build the network out so that way, you know, maybe if you guys like what I'm talking about and you want me to talk about more, or you want me, you want to hear more from my dumbass and you know my big head and 
<laughs> and you know more of what I have to say movie-wise, sports-wise, TV show-wise, you know, pop culture-wise. Lord knows I love to talk. Everybody around me knows I got opinions on virtually everything. If you want to hit up the DMs and cam.cast or you want to talk in the comments down below on YouTube, let me know. If you want to go on Anchor, my Anchor homepage, which is on my, my bio for my, my Camcast on my Instagram, you can leave a voice memo there. I can answer to you. I can answer to those voice memos. If you got questions, if you want to have conversations, I'm willing to do it, guys. You know, I, I, I love talking about this stuff. It seems like I'm talking with the same two or three people all the time, and I want to expand that. I want to get those those conversations out there. I want to get the good word out there about the Camcast. And um, I want to hear from you guys, okay? The ones that are actually listening to me talk, you know. Um, I want to know why you listen to me talk. You know, what do you like about the show? What do you not like about the show or the podcast? What do you want me to change? What do you want me to improve? I'm open. I'm, I'm all ears. And uh, I just love doing this. I love being able to get my thoughts out there into a, a media and a platform that, you know, I w didn't really have for, for years. And I've always had opinions. I've always been super opinionated and wanted to talk about a bunch of shit. So this is just me, me doing something that I really love. And I want to thank you guys for joining me. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening on whatever medium platform you're doing it on. And uh, as always, you guys, uh, please like, subscribe, and peace and love. Thanks.